from Jack Lewis Jewelers in Bloomington, Illinois. This is the pre-proposal show for dating couples designed to make engagement ring shopping easy, understandable, and fun. This is the Carter Cast. The star of the show is Jack Lewis Jewelers CEO, John Carter, and I'm your host, Joshua Scholl. Today, we turn our attention to one of the most controversial topics in the jewelry world, lab-grown synthetic man-made artificial diamonds. What are we supposed to call these things anyway? And how similar are they really to natural diamonds? And are they really more sustainable? How much should you still really be paying for something you can make a million of? Plus, Jack Lewis Jewelers doesn't even sell them, so why not? Lots of questions and strong thoughts in a powerful episode that's sure to cause a ruckus. Let's do it. This is the CarterCast, the pre-proposal show for dating couples designed to make engagement ring shopping easy, understandable, and fun. You can get the four C's anywhere, but only here can you get the fifth C called Carter. I'm Josh, and this is CGA Gigi, former president of the AGS and current CEO of Jack Lewis Jewelers, John Carter. Hello. Welcome once again to your own show. Today, uh, we're finally tackling a controversial, contentious, polarizing topic that we've been wanting to discuss for a long time now. We have. GIF or JIF. Now, oh. I, I, the, it's... It, graphics interchange Dude, format. Don't. It's a hard G. What? You've been arguing GIF forever. No, I'm on the hard G side. I've always been arguing GIF. Oh my gosh. What we're talking about today, <laughs> what we're talking about today is even more controversial, contentious, and polarizing than how to pronounce GIF. GIF. Agreed. It's GIF. <sighs> Lab-grown diamonds. Uh, before we talk about what they even are, yep. I, I feel like we should define terms. Okay. Uh, how should we even refer to these stones? Uh, synthetic? Is it lab-grown versus natural? Am I allowed to say the F word? Is, <laughs> is, is it fake versus real? Yeah. Um, set us straight on how we should refer to these. I mean, the FTC has pretty particular guidelines on how people are supposed to refer to laboratory-grown diamonds. Okay. I always use the full terminology, laboratory-grown diamonds. Okay. I don't use the term lab lab diamond. I don't use the term synthetic. Uh, there is a little bit of a contentious debate between laboratory grown and synthetic because synthetic, of course, means man-made. Uh, the FTC rules, though, that that term is a little confusing to the consumer mm -hmm. and probably would agree with that. I think most people understand that it means not natural. Okay. And you can use the term natural as it applies to diamonds that come out of the ground. Right. right? So to me, the term to use always is laboratory-grown diamond. I feel okay. like it's very specific. I feel like it, people understand what that means. Mm -hmm. It means it was created in a, in, in a lab, in a machine that, that makes other diamonds. Uh, so that's usually the term that I, that, that I and my team would, hear, would use here at the store as okay. to avoid confusion at the counter. Okay. Is it incorrect or, or impolite? To, to use some other language, like some of the things I just threw out there? I think fake is, um, I, I don't use the term fake. Okay. And it's, I have fairly specific views on laboratory-grown diamonds. I think that you know that. Mm -hmm. um, fake is a little bit insulting sure. to what it is because there are other other gemstones. I mean, it's a real thing. You can hold it. I, you know. Yeah, fake. You know, a unicorn <laughs> is fake, right. probably. But, you know, you can, it is a tangible it's not imaginary. Right. that you can buy right. and hold, and, and it is chemically and physically the same as a diamond. Now, where I, where I... We'll get into that, yeah. Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll create a separation there later, but 
fake is not accurate because it is a diamond. You cannot argue. And even somebody who has a specific stance on it as I do will not argue. It is a diamond. The thing that, that worries me about them is, is, a, is, a, is a confusion on part of, of the customer where I want to make sure that they truly understand what it is they're buying and why. Well, let's go to there. So what, what is it that they're buying? What, what is a laboratory-grown diamond? A laboratory-grown diamond is something that has been grown in a machine that mimics the effects of nature. Diamonds, as, as most people would know, grow in very hostile environments. They grow in what we call HPHT, high-pressure, high-temperature uh, situations, where the compression, the weight of the earth, and the temperature of, of uh, the mantle of the earth create uh, a, uh, an environment that only a diamond could form in. And so what a, what a laboratory-grown diamond in these high-pressure, high-temperature machines is they'll mimic that. There's also CVD-type uh, machines, which is chemical, vapo... Um, uh, Dracula? No, not, not Dracula. No. I do know that. It's not GIF. And, <laughs> and, and they, they will... Um, they're basically grown by layers, by layering uh, the diamond. And so it doesn't, what type of process is used isn't necessarily important, but what it is important is the concept of a, of a created gemstone is not new. Even the concept of a laboratory-grown diamond is not new. Laboratory-grown diamonds have, were, were invented, believe it or not, by GE. Yeah, what's, what's the history of this? Like, how long has this been around? It, it, it doesn't seem like it's a passing fad, necessarily. It seems like it's been around a while. It's been around since, they've been around since the 50s. Okay. But, the, but GE used them at that time mainly for, there was never any intention for them to be used in, uh, as, a, as, a, as a piece of jewelry. Oh. They were, because the machines that they had at that time were, were not as advanced as the ones are today, so they only could create very low-quality diamonds, like just black-looking, kind mm -hmm. of ugly gemstones. But they were used in industrial drill bits and things like that. They had the same uh, properties for that. And so they actually were a cost-effective way to, to use those rather than using natural diamonds that were coming out of the ground. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the technology changed of it this century that they were able to, to start making diamonds that were whiter um, and then start to use them in, in engagement rings and jewelry. So what, a little bit about what is the technology of it? I mean, I'm trying to imagine like it, it's like a, it's like it's a machine that's the size of. I, I'm imagining like like Mission Impossible or something where you see all the lasers and they're like just creating this thing out of nothing and it like slowly builds. Like is it? I think the CVD machines kind of work that way. Yeah. But, but the but the but the ones I think that are most commonly they kind of look like a golf ball, right? They're okay. kind of they're just kind of like a big dome, and in this big dome they're growing. You know, using a seed, always using a seed of a natural diamond. Uh, and then uh, it grows from there. The process is really interesting. And again, I'm not uh, a physicist or a chemist or anybody who can probably explain that process as well as somebody who's an expert on that. Huh. But just know that the end results, it, the beginning, it starts with a seed crystal of a natural diamond. Okay. And then it grows a, a, a laboratory grown, some people would say synthetic, some people could say artificial hmm. uh, Whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, but you know my terminology would be laboratory grown because I feel like it is the best explanation for what for what it is. But again, going back to to man made gemstones, mm. that's been around since for a long time. Right. Fun fact for you: when when I love fun facts. When you throw these things at me, yeah. Uh, what year do you think they began producing uh, flame fusion rubies? was, I believe, the first one that they did. I can't give you the exact year, but I can give you the decade. 1776. Not quite that far, but that's interesting that you would go that far because yeah. that's completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But you're only off by like 100 years. Because <laughs> I mean, I guess I could have been off by more. That, that worked for you. Okay. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. It's, a, it's a range. I like to be in the range. I'm in the ballpark. If it was, if it was multiple choice, you would I have... I would have been very off. Yeah, you would have only... I think I was answering the wrong question. You would have only missed three of the four options. I would have. So 1876? Yeah, it was in, no, not quite that, but it was like the 1890s. Okay. And so the, I guess the point is, is that this concept of, and my counter argument always is, do people still want natural rubies? They do. People still want yeah. natural rubies. Sometimes if they want something that's less expensive and, they, and, and still beautiful, you can, a laboratory grown ruby or flame fusion or hydrothermal, they had different processes to create those because the gemstones form differently, yeah. um, are available. Yeah. Uh, so a diamond is similar in that sense, but different in some other ways because we don't always celebrate love with a flame fusion ruby. We do not, commonly, right. it's true. Okay, let's get a little more into the, the, the I, I wanna close with some of the, the emotional, like symbolic stuff about it, but let, let's, let's stay in the weeds of some of the, the tech and the, the chemical part of it for, for the minute because when you talk about words like artificial and words like you know, lab grown or, or possibly synthetic, right. that, that does seem to imply that it, it, it's not uh, not, not the same, that it's different. So uh, how, is, how is a laboratory-grown diamond the same? As, is it even right to say the same as a natural diamond? What, what's, the, what's the difference? Some, what's different some diamond that? people watching this would tell you, yes, they are the same. They're wrong. And the reason that they're wrong is they're right in one sense in the fact that, yes, they're chemically and physically the same as a diamond. Okay. And what they would say was, well, can I tell the difference with my naked eye? I cannot. Most... Nobody can, right? You need sophisticated equipment to tell the difference. But that sentence alone counteracts their point. If I couldn't tell the difference, a piece of sophisticated equipment, excuse me, if they were the same, a piece of sophisticated equipment couldn't tell the difference. We have a, a De Beers synth detect in this store. It was, a, as you remember when we got it, it was a major investment for us. But every piece of jewelry, every loose stone that comes in to us, gets tested under that, that machine because we want to be confident that we're not selling laboratory-grown diamonds unknowingly to our clients and friends, of course. Right. And so what that machine is doing is it's measuring the, the uh, phosphorescence of the diamond as, because a laboratory-grown diamond will glow for a fraction of a period of time. It will, it will, hmm. it will be, and you, this machine catches that. And so when you see that, uh, in the machine, and my point is, is if a natural diamond did that, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a lab-grown, a laboratory-grown diamond and a natural diamond. So they are not exactly the same. Yeah. Is it a diamond? It is a diamond. You have to say that they are diamonds, but you cannot say that they're the same. Hmm. So if they were the same, you couldn't see the difference. Right. So, so, so that is how I wanted to just spend a little more on that. So, so that is how you can tell the difference is you can put it under this machine, mm -hmm. which again, to your point, the fact that there is a machine that can tell the difference means that they aren't exactly the same in every respect because you can obviously tell a difference. Right. And it's about the, the, the phosphorescence is typically what it is. And there's, there's a certain glow that a, a synthetic diamond will have that a natural one won't. I believe this machine measures the photophosphorescence, which okay. is, the, which is when, it's, when it's hit with ultraviolet light how long it will glow after the fact that it's hit with that. And it's, it's nanoseconds. Sure. But that's how this machine makes the differentiation hmm. between those. Most retailers nowadays, at least, at least my friends in the industry, are testing for these things. I think most suppliers are testing for these things yep. because if they have something made overseas and it comes to them and it comes to us. But we're testing everything on the front lines because we want to be as confident in that as possible because it's not that it's wrong or incorrect to buy a laboratory-grown diamond. 
but the client needs to understand what it is that they're buying and know that that needs to be disclosed to them, to, to, that that is what they're getting. So if I brought a diamond in today, you could test it for me? Sure. And see if it's, if it's a natural diamond? Should, should I do that? Is that something people are doing? Or, I don't know, curiosity or? You cer- I mean, you certainly could. We, I, I've not offered that as a service to the, to the general public yeah. because. Wouldn't be worth it. it. It's just, yeah, but it's, if we can catch it in the beginning, yeah. it's worth it. Sure. But after the fact, if it's, you know, if you got something that you want to do that with, it's probably not. Yeah. Uh, and, and most everything nowadays that we're, get, we're selling, that's one of the reasons why we love American Gem Society grading reports or, or, or reports from, from GIA and places like that, because they are catching those things as the diamond goes in to have a grading report. It would immediately be, be uh, synth detected, as we call it. Okay, so th- this brings up... We've done a whole episode on grading reports and everything that goes into a grading report yeah. about the cut and some of the clarity stuff. I mean, there's, it, it plots the inclusions. We didn't talk about that, though. Uh, well, right. But if, 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 I'm, if I'm buying a laboratory-grown diamond, do I need a grading report? Uh, it, mm. Are they going to like artificially put an inclusion in there or something? <laughs> it's like They still can I mean, have inclusions and they still can be off-color. For the most part, though... Because they're controlling everything, mm-hmm. uh, the thing about a laboratory-grown diamond is you can make the same diamond millions of times. Right. And so it's not quite as simple as just turning a knob and saying, I'm going to get a DVS-1. There still are inclusions in those. To me, I have always been somewhat offended by the concept of using uh, the color grading scale and the, and the uh, clarity grading scale to grade natural diamonds because those... That terminology. Great lab grown diamonds. Yeah, and, and people have, but those that terminology was created in the '50s and '60s by GIA to talk about the rarity of a natural diamond. A diamond with no body color is rarer. A D is rarer than an H. So using that terminology to describe natural diamonds is appropriate. Using it and applying it to a man-made technological creation, I always felt a little offended by because it doesn't have the same connotation. They should all be VS1 or better for, for right. the most part. The ones made nowadays, the ones that a GE made in the 50s sure. were I3s, right? So they always should be top quality, top color and top clarity. Why would you buy a lab grown and not have it be top color and top clarity? Right. Why would you also buy a lab grown and make it not make it not be an AGS triple zero perfectly cut grade? Diamond? Right. Because the waste to cut a diamond into that is almost nothing. As you know, with my time on the American Gem Society Board of Directors and now on the American Gem Society uh, Laboratory mm-hmm. um, Advisory Board, we just came out with a product last year to for laboratory grown diamonds. There was much debate. Do we do this? Do yeah. we not do this? And one of the things that we were really insistent on in that, that committee was if we're going to use, we have to have something to explain the color and clarity, but it shouldn't be the same. But you also can't reinvent the wheel either because people are somewhat familiar with that process. So at least the way that we've notated that is a, a, it'll say LG-F color, LG-VS2. Hmm. So there is a clear line drawn between a lab grown and a natural diamond yeah. because you should know the difference between 
a laboratory grown diamond and a natural diamond. And while we're using the terminology, it really doesn't mean quite the same thing. It doesn't have quite the ramifications on a laboratory grown because right. they all should be pretty top color, top clarity. Most importantly, insist on the quality of the cut grade. Get something that has those AGS cut grade standards because as we've talked about in previous episodes, and if people haven't seen those, they should watch that because the one that we spend on cut grade, I think it's very specific yeah. and really gives a good education for why cut grade is so important, not just to me, not just to what we do here at my store, but why it makes a difference in how much a diamond sparkles. So now if you're buying a diamond that's significantly less expensive to produce, meaning versus millions of dollars to get things out of the ground and then cut it, and then the waste now is, is, a, is a factor. Now you have a diamond that you can make one million times. Why would you not try to get the best performance out of that diamond? Why would you buy one that is not cut to those standards? Right. Why do these exist? Like, what, what's the... What's the <laughs> You mentioned that they ultimately, with GE, is how they started. They were using it for probably commercial purposes or industrial yeah. purposes because diamond is hard and that makes sense. And they built them in the lab. And then it, it evolved into jewelry, probably just because people are, are like, well, hey, it's diamond. Let's, can we do this with the, with the ring? But what's, what's your take on why these exist now? Like, what, what's, what's the motivation for, for this? As, as against them as I am to sell them, mm -hmm. I don't think that they're necessarily a wrong choice for people to, to lean towards. They are a less expensive option for, for people. So if they want a one carat, mm -hmm. uh, a natural diamond is going to run a certain, certain price, and a, and a laboratory-grown diamond is going to run maybe $2,500, I want to say, maybe $2,000 for a one carat. It might even be uh, significantly less than that. Now, I can tell you that there are companies sell, that sell a one carat lab-grown finished in a sterling pendant for $800 for a one carat. Now you and I have been talking about this for years. Do you remember when you and I first started talking, do you remember what the price of that one carat was five years ago, four years ago? I don't know. It was over $5,000. And so what people will say, people will make the argument, they'll say, well, just like flat screen TVs change and just like your iPhone change. The difference with those technological changes is nobody ever bought a flat screen TV to celebrate the person they're going to spend the rest of their life with. And that's really where I, I kind of draw the line. And yes, I certainly could have made the decision years ago to, to make money the whole way down as the price dropped. But I've never really felt right about that. Uh, it's, I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm not saying that there's, there's anything wrong with it because I think everybody that I know that has sold them has been really upfront with the client. We cannot guarantee future value. Just like you, you really can't walk into a store and buy a, a natural one carat and say, I'm going to buy this for $5,000 and in a couple of years, I'm going to sell it and make money. That's not, that's not really how this process works either, sure. but it's always worth something. Hmm. And those, so the, the, the tangible benefits of having a laboratory grown diamond, nobody knows what that is other than probably zero. Yeah. At some point. I mean, when you can just make them yeah. another one in a lab the same way, and again, I don't imagine there's any improvements. Like there be they, they've got it is now, the, the reason why, to your point about why they exist now, yeah. is because the technology has changed so much and vastly improved the quality that they could do them in. I mean, I guess what I want to say is just cynically, I, I, I assume they exist because they, they're fairly cheap to make and they still think they can charge a lot for them because people think diamonds should be X price. And the, the reality is this probably cost like 100 bucks to make but I'm still going to be able to get a bunch out of it because people expect to pay four or 5,000 bucks. And so that's the, the range they're used to. And so we can just make a killer ton of money on this thing that, that isn't the same standard as people are 
used to from from the natural equivalent of what those prices are at. I would say that's that, my cynical rant yeah, about I would say it. It's probably a little too cynical. Okay, uh, because I'm not. I, <laughs> that's why you're here to reel me in. Yeah, and, and again, I think people make their own. I think people make it's a free market for a reason, right? People make sure. their own choices because it's what's right for their sure. for, for their pocketbook. It's what's right for their relationship. Yep. Uh, maybe somebody, and you and I are huge advocates of this, right? When somebody's just starting out, we don't want to see people go into a, a huge hole. For sure. Yep. Don't go buy a five carat if you can't afford a five carat. Don't go buy a one carat if you can't afford it. Right. You and I and and Missy and our team have worked really hard to 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 uh, layer our inventory so there are right natural diamonds in everybody's budget. Right. Yep. We have engagement rings that start at five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. All natural diamonds. As again, as I mentioned earlier, everything is screened. Everything is checked. Everything is is put in the case. Um, because we truly do live that motto of size doesn't matter, your love matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have made a very conscious choice over the years to layer my diamond inventory to give somebody a one carat option that competes very closely with that with that one carat lab grown option. Uh, maybe it's a little bit smaller, maybe the, the clarity is on the lower scale, but the diamond will still face up beauty, beautifully and it will be a natural diamond. I've worked really hard to do that. Yeah. Where you can walk in and buy a, a, a one carat diamond for $4,000 or less. That's really hard to do. You can buy a three quarter carat for thousand to fifteen hundred dollars right uh, you can do that in those, that jack lewis spark collection that mm-hmm. we have and i think a lot of other retailers around the country have done that um, you have to give alternatives instead of just saying lab grown bad it's not that it's not that the lab laboratory grown diamonds are bad yeah. i think that they 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 hit a certain or a certain niche in the market and they they're doing some good but i don't feel like people truly understand what it is that they've bought because they also have bought into a narrative of how they're made and other advantages, which has not necessarily been an accurate story, in my opinion. I was, that's where I was going to go next. Is, uh, why, why would someone opt for a, lab, a laboratory-grown diamond? And I think one of the assumptions is, is cost, which we've kind of already hinted at a little bit. The other one, I think, is this sustainability. Right. That, that that somehow they're more sustainable than natural diamonds would be. What, what's the, well, that, well, so what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, the initially, and I think that they've backed off this over the last 24 months because the FTC sort of said, don't do this. Uh, they were selling them as green. Mm. So you'll hear the term di- laboratory grown diamonds are green. The FTC said they cannot say that. And the reason that they cannot say that is because it still costs, it still takes an immense amount of energy to run these machines. Where does the energy come from? Coal burning plants, Right. That's not green. (laughs) No, I don't don't believe so. There's no other way to say that. That is not green. So you can't buy into them because of that argument. Uh, You could say, well, there was no hole punched in the earth to do these things. I encourage everybody, don't take it from me. Um, You would all view me probably as a diamond guy, but, but do some research on what the mining companies around the world do for the local environment and how they, they restore the environment when, when, they're, when they're done with it, and what they can use kimberlite for, which is the host rock that diamonds are found in, the good that they can do with the kimberlite that they take out of the earth. Kimberlites can serve as a, as a scrubbing mechanism in power plants, so it actually can capture carbon as it's released into the earth, which yeah. creates a negative carbon footprint eventually as they, as they um, uh, can improve that process. And the other thing is that people, very good meaning, good intention people will walk in and say, well, 
I don't want to support the diamond industry. You and I did an entire episode in December about the good that mm -hmm. Forevermark does for Botswana. Mm -hmm. Just look up diamonds do good and see the good that is done in Botswana and what kind of an economy Botswana would have if they weren't taking natural diamonds out of the earth. This builds schools, it builds hospitals, it builds an entire infrastructure and has created an, an actually a, a much wealthier nation than it was before. And now the diamonds are actually cut in Botswana. Yeah. So they don't even export the country in their raw state they're exporting the country in their highest value state, which meaning the diamond is cut, it's finished, it's ready to be sold into market. So okay. now they're re retaining even more than that. So a good intentioned person can say, I'm gonna boycott di natural diamonds altogether, and you're really not doing that much much good. You might feel better about the environmental impact, and we, you, you can definitely, there are pros and cons on, on both sides that you have to acknowledge that. But for the most part, I think the argument that's been sold to a lot of people is, is has been full of holes. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an incomplete perspective. Yes, that there's more information out, out there that yeah. you could learn yeah. that that might shift and more moderate your position a little more Agreed. on that on that issue. Um, so I, I would imagine that that some jewelers, some jewelry stores in in the country, kind of approach it like, hey, if that's what people want, that's what we'll sell them. Um, why should I care what they buy? There's, there's money to be made. Let's jump on board so they don't go somewhere else. Why haven't you adopted that mindset? Uh, you don't sell laboratory-grown diamonds here at Jack Lewis Jewelers. Why not? We never say never, okay. first of all. I mean, you and I have talked about that, and I don't want to be so cynical and, and, and judge anybody who's chosen to sell them that I, that I think that they're just doing it because they can make money. I do think there's an element of clients do ask for it, okay. and there is, an ele there is a... a, a factor on our side of things that we have to say, this is why we've definitively chosen not to do it. Mm -hmm. That creates a conversation, but a chance, in my opinion, to educate. Because we do, jewelry is a, a field that you cannot be an expert on by Googling it. You and I have established that, I think, by the reason we have a whole series of these videos, sure. is to have these crucial conversations. That's true with most things, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, most people are an expert, though, after they've read one article. Right? My, yeah. My, my, my degree is not the equivalent of your Google search, <laughs> is, is the idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, I have specifically, your question is why have I chosen yeah. not to, is because I don't feel like this story has ever been true or complete mm. to this point. And I also don't think that the price has been what it should be. I remember I read an article about four years ago that said, just in China, there were 10,000 machines growing diamonds at that point. Hmm. That was one country wow. and five years ago. Hmm. So you can imagine what it probably is today. Yeah. And so there's a reason why that price is doing that. And that's okay if, that, if somebody wants a, you know, to get a, a, a one care. Because to me, that should be probably where the magic number is in that sure. $500 to $800 price range for, yep. for a one care. It almost doesn't matter how big it is. Mm -hmm. It really isn't even done per carat like a natural diamond is. Yeah. And so until that story gets to be a little bit more accurate and the price is more representative of what the item actually should cost, we'll continue to, to stock great natural options that I think give people a, a, a pretty good reason not to buy a laboratory-grown yeah. diamond. That's the best thing that I can do, in my, in my opinion, at, at sure. this stage. Mm -hmm. uh, and it... As again, I, I never say never. I don't want this to be on video. <laughs> you know, you could you could uh, come in here yeah. in, in 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 the future and see laboratory grown diamonds. But that for me will be where the story evens out, mm -hmm. and where the price and the product seem to catch up to that. Sure.
and makes log- logical sense for a purchase that I can, with a clear conscience, say, yes, yeah. you should buy this. So what, what advice, uh, as we wrap up, what advice would you give a couple who's considering a, a laboratory-grown diamond versus a, a natural diamond? Definitely consider it. I mean, you should be weighing all your options as to what's right for your lifestyle. And to those people who have bought one, no judgment, right? It's, this, is, this is not that. This is because, just, because, again, they have bought a diamond. It is a, it is a, it diamond. Is a diamond. So yes. you know, th- th- some of the things we said earlier about the differences and how you can tell there's a difference, you know, it, it's, it doesn't mean that it's not chemically a, a diamond. Yeah. So yeah. Anybody who would say that it isn't is being either uh, dishonest or misinformed. It is a diamond, right? It is not the same. Right. It is. It is not the same uh, as we've established, because if it was the same, you couldn't tell the difference. Right. There would be no way to differentiate a natural from a laboratory grown diamond. And then that would be a, a, a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we don't have have that. But you should weigh it as an option. You should look at the, what, what is the price of a laboratory grown uh, one carat today? If that's I'd use one carat because that sure. seems to be a good starting point. What is the price of that? But most importantly, historically, what was the price of that even a year ago? Hmm. And does that influence your decision at all? Because then maybe extrapolate that and say, I don't know what it's going to be in a year. I yeah. can't promise you it's going to be less. I can tell you that every year it has been. So it probably would be. But those things should weigh into the decision. And then, okay, maybe I, if I don't need a DVS1, everybody starts this process with a specific budget in mind. Sure. Keep your budget where it's at. But what can I afford for that budget in a natural diamond versus what can I get for a laboratory-grown diamond? Yeah. Come in and talk to us. We won't, we won't judge. We don't, uh, you know, we don't have a negative conversation about it. It's just an actual, realistic, here's why we don't do it. Here's what the market looks like. Here's what our one-carat Jack Lewis flames look sure. like. Here's what the sizzles look like. Here's what the sparks look like. Mm-hmm. Here's what a fire and ice looks like. Mm-hmm. And you know, just make that decision for yourself. But the one thing I promise everybody, and this applies to laboratory grown too, what we do is, as I've said in another video, this is not rocket science, but it does take experience. And the person buying it doesn't have the time to be enough of an expert to truly understand it. So you do need an industry professional to help walk you through the process. And a a good store will help you do that with no judgment. I think there's certainly the the market... um uh, considerations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but here I know we talk a lot about that love means everything and, and that size doesn't matter and love matters. I mean, it's a very, we've talked before about engagement rings and diamonds that th- this is, this is an emotional, symbolic, meaningful purchase that you're going to make. And so I think that's, that's where I would go with it. Like, that's just my kind of personality yeah. that I, I like to look at, at that aspect. And, you know, your relationship wasn't grown in a lab and your love isn't synthetic, you know, and, and I, to me, I think that side of it is what I would, to your point, like that's not necessarily a knock on the laboratory grown um, technology. It's trying to elevate the natural argument. It's trying to elevate like what, what you can, what's kind of wrapped up in the idea of a natural diamond. Right. Um, and you know, it, it's, natural diamonds are formed over time under pressure um, and they come out with a few imperfections. Probably just like your relationship, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's a nice natural, you talk about diamonds being rare and beautiful and all those things. And I, I think I would say natural fits into that too, when you're talking about the symbolism for your relationship. So, I mean, I guess you might have some people who consider that aspect of it too, in addition to the market factors and just the, the, the cold kind of numbers and all that part of it, it, it all probably plays together, but yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think that's where, where I would tend to land. Um, well, you're, on sen- that. But, you're a sentimental you know, guy, you know, yeah, and, sure. and, and I think that, and, and despite 
the fact that it's an engagement ring, not everybody would be as For sentimental sure. about that. For and sure. So it is possible to look at it from a more technical side of For things sure. and say, it's a diamond, it's much less, I can get a bigger diamond for, for less and it, it'll, and, and I'm fine with that. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's a great decision for you. Give somebody the chance though to show you what an equivalent natural diamond would look like for your money. That would be my best bet. If you've, if you've already done all the internet research that you can imagine, you've seen everything you need to see about laboratory grown diamonds to feel good about it, cool, do that. But don't not look at natural diamonds in the process because yeah. that's a deci decision you could regret down the road. To your point, I love the sentimentality of what a natural diamond represents because of everything that you said. Yeah. It's it's. You know, a diamond is forever is the most beautiful slogan, in my opinion, ever made because it's not only an effective marketing slogan, it's specific about what the product represents. And it's timeless, just like somebody's love and it represents spending an eternity together and all those other things. And to me, a, a laboratory grown diamond doesn't represent that the same way, but not everybody would look at it with the same colored lenses. For sure. John Carter, you are 100% natural. Always. <laughs> We'll be right back with the final facet. Jewelry is more than just shiny metals and sparkly rocks. It's the symbol that tells your story. With diamonds, engagement rings, wedding bands, and fashionable gifts for every budget, come discover the jewelry that says your love means everything. Jack Lewis Jewelers in Bloomington and jacklewisjewelers.com. So the conversation about natural versus laboratory-grown diamonds really comes down to one thing. It's about you. But my best advice is don't settle on a laboratory-grown diamond without exploring the concept of a natural diamond as well. At the end of the day, it really is about you and about what symbol allows you to express your love. It's not about how much money you spend. It's not even about what you spend it on. It's about spending the rest of your life together with the person that you love the most in the world. We're here to help you do that. As we always say at Jack Lewis Jewelers, size doesn't matter, your love matters. Thanks, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to our candid conversation about laboratory-grown diamonds. If this episode generated any thoughts or questions, reach out. Search for Jack Lewis Jewelers on your favorite social media platform and message us there. CarterCast is off for the rest of 2021, but we'll be back in 2022 with more new episodes on jewelry topics that are sure to rattle you with excitement. Or at least it'll be something you can leave on for your dog to listen to while you're at work. For John Carter, I'm Josh, and this is The CarterCast. A production of Joshua 1-9 on behalf of Jack Lewis Jewelers in Bloomington, Illinois and online at jacklewisjewelers.com. <laughs>